Welcome to the Sonder Podcast, where we want to hear your story, a podcast about your life, what you live, what you go through, where everybody has an interesting story to tell. So please sit back and enjoy the ride. Okay, I'm here on the Sonder Podcast with Tolu Omoba. I am here with my very, very, very close uncle. A uh, mentor, a father, a husband, um, a, a, a political activist, uh, a, a, a churchgoer, a very close person to me. Today, I have him on the podcast to discuss some issues. Um, not really issues, but just a conversation between generations. Generations of um, people of Nigerian descent. So, Uncle, um, go ahead and just introduce yourself. Well, this is a great day. It's a great opportunity. Thanks for inviting me to to be on your on your podcast on your show. Um, my name is Babatunde, as you said, Babatunde Alekbele. I'm a husband, <laughs> father of five daughters and two sons, and. Uh, I've, you know, have been residing in Bowie here since uh, about 25 years now, but in mm. the United States, uh, over four decades, the journey of two years, but we will talk about that as we go along. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That's good, that's good. Um, The reason why I wanted to do this is is because... Two, many reasons, many reasons. So let me try to summarize. Number one, um, I don't believe there's enough communication from younger Nigerians and Nigerians who are getting close to that middle age, uh, to the millennials, to the gener- generation X, and the, the the first and second generation of Nigerians who came like in the 70s and the 80s. I think there's, uh, there's, there's not much communication and there's not much understanding um uh, number two, I wanted to do this because I want to I want to give a voice to people who have que- to have question who have questions that don't necessarily get answered by their own father or their own uncle or their own elder in their own family there's just questions that you know don't get asked and that that, that don't get um touched and and i just wanted to hear your perspective because as a person who's um not very young but you know my 30s uh there's a lot about the um journey that the people in your generation had that i just that i did not know and i want to get more perspective on so that seemed that that's that sounded like a lot but let me get right into it my first question, and it's a generic question. You've been around for a while. Um, first of all, no, firstly, talk about your journey here from from like, you know, adolescence to coming to America, please. Okay, that's a good question because that's where everything started. Um, I finished high school very, very early. When I say early, that was a... Uh... 1973, we were the 
first said that uh, Wahek decided to, you know, shorten the length of the time that they usually do the Wahek. But nevertheless, so, and I was very, very small. I didn't even know I could be a, <laughs> grow this much. I was a tiny guy. So anyway, my father says, well, you know, you're so little. Because um, he wanted me, you know, uh, to be honest, our parents, in because we are changing, we are changing. Hopefully, we're getting to understand that uh, uh, we don't have to be like everybody else. My father, he wanted me to go to, there is a school that he wanted me to go to initially. It's called uh, Methodist uh, Boys High School, you know, in Atibadon. Then in Lagos, he wants me to go to Loyola, which is very beautiful. I mean, if you go into all those schools in those days, you will be, I mean, it's, you, you have to work very, it's one of the, you know, like, uh, how do we call it? Uh, all these high schools that our children go in here that the top high schools are uh, Ivy top League. notch, top notch, top, top notch government college. I mean, come on, top, top notch uh, stuff. So, I mean, but I, I love soccer because, uh, so because of that, <laughs> I didn't want to really do that, you know, I wanted to go play soccer. But my father wanted me to be an academia, want me to be doctor, lawyer. I never wanted to be any of those things. I just want to be a professional soccer player and a coach because I was influenced by, um, at that time, my coach, Onogora, uh, he was uh, one of the national coach, uh, goalkeeper at that time. In those days, but Anogurua, yes, Anogurua. So I was influenced by people like that and just love soccer in, in general. But anyway, so through that, to be honest, this is honest, good question you asked because that's where you started. I, I, uh, I lived, we were living at uh, Mushi in the... Mm, not, it's not towards the let me say north side of uh, Lagos State, coming, you know, in, in in the not the island but the mainland, coming to the area which was one of the tough areas in Lagos. So anyway, I went over to the, you know, island on the other side to we call it Saleko. So anyway, to go play soccer. So I'm coming back that day. Before I could, uh, I think it was on Broad Street at that time. Beautiful. My eyes just caught this little building. It's, it's, it's like a United States Information Service or something like that. My eyes say, wow, okay, let me, you know, dirty looking with my uh, shorts and uh, my good sweats and my soccer cleats. So I went in. And I'm looking, you know, he, he, come on, you could, it was so, everything, air condition was working because it was already in the afternoon. So anyway, close to the afternoon. So my eye just caught this thing called the Constitution. I read it, I said, whoa. 
That's where I belong, man. People can put this kind of stuff. <laughs> so to cut the story short, it was the constitution that brought me to this country. And that's where I started doing the research that, oh, that's where I need to go. And, you know, I couldn't, I didn't get the opportunity to, I was not uh, accepted into any university. So my father said, well, you're going to have to, you can't stay at home, but maybe because you're so young, because I was just about 15 going to 16 when I finished high school. So I was just, so I was there for at the house because I couldn't get any job. Who was going to hire somebody who looked like a little, a little, I was just like a baby. <laughs> so I developed within those two years staying at home. So within those two years, I was able to, and um, I mean, I love um, reading the scriptures that time. So, I mean, it's like my, my way to escape in terms of uh, when um, um, there are issues, I just, you know, because we pray so much in the house and we grew up in the house of prayer. So that was a grounding, you know, like a, a grounding halt. So when issues come, I just love to read this thing so much. So my, so my father says, okay, what will you do now? Since you don't want to do all of this, why don't you learn a trade? <laughs> I said, me, go to trade school. Okay, cool. I, I don't mind doing that. So anyway, I went to uh, Government Technical College, Jabode. So, and because uh, we, we have to, he didn't want me to do automobile engineering. He didn't want me to do any of those things. He, I said, okay, whatever you want me to do. So anyway, uh, around that time, there was this uh, uh, program coming into the country that time called uh, Silver Screen Printing. Okay, I, you know, I was opportune to go to, when I finished at that uh, institution at Ijebode in Ogun State. So, um, and I was just so lucky, opportune to get this job where I was one of the, I think maybe a few of us selected out of about 40 applicants to government uh, printing press at Ibadan which was in your state at that time. So anyway, that just opened doors for, I mean, to, for me to be able to do what I wanted to do in terms of uh, playing soccer, because at that time I was just developing in the game. So while I was at Ibadan, I was exposed. Uh, I got called into camps, even though I was playing at uh while I was in the school, but I didn't make it big until I got to uh, Ibadan because I played in the uh, state uh, festival with, you know, um, National Sports Fest Festival that we do, to played in 75, 77, but it was uh, 79 games that I really, you know, got the opportunity to, to really make name for myself. So, you know, from there, 
played for the Ohio State Academicals, got to meet the because uh, General Basson Joe was the president at that time. So got to meet him. And uh, while I was uh, still um, employed at uh, government printing press, so, you know, and that journey, that exposure to that thing that I saw that you see with that United States. So I was planning all along in terms of looking for opportunity. You know, I don't know how it will happen. So while I was at that printing press playing soccer, I met this guy who, he was like a master printer, right? So he said, man, there, I went to this school in New York and this, oh, okay, well, ha, how about that? So I was telling him my journey, how I found out about the, um, you see, he said, oh, no problem. So he was, he became my, you know, guide to go to, to tell me more about the United States. I was reading it's like I just knew I was going to be here. It's just like I knew. Like, so I did those, all those things. I did the TOEFL, which is test of English as a foreign language. Did, ex, I mean, excellently very well. So in, to cut the story short, all my paperwork was squared away. I got the admission to one of the technical schools uh, in Philadelphia, which is another story which I will talk about later on. So... Um, and um, I was called to the national team, you know, junior Eagles, are there, they're still called junior Eagles, and which I never <laughs> get to stay that much, but all those exposure was just the creator doing his work, and, you know, when you want something bad enough that you, it's one way or the other, it's just going to work, it has to, because you know, that's how the Lord does his things. But, you know. So so, so from the uh, paperwork you filed to get into the institution in Philadelphia, that's how you ended up yes. in the U.S.? I got the, I got the, um, I got the admission. And uh, so he just told me, wow, how did you get this? <laughs> so uh, I didn't have any problems, to be honest. I didn't go through that much headaches and, you know, I just follow what he told me to do and he guided me in and he said, okay, send this paperwork, send this. And everything was quite away, no fake stuff. And I went to the, because most, because they were denying, <laughs> they were denying people even with all your paperwork quite away still. Some people, maybe for some reason, they did something wrong or whatever. So within a few minutes, I went in there, and seriously, uh, it was an, well, I didn't know that it was going to, so it was a, a very young African-American lady. She should be in uh, maybe, maybe her 30s or late 20s, very, very young, you know. So she said, you, man, you don't have any problems in the United States. This is the way you speak. I said, of course. So I didn't spend up to 10 minutes in that room. I got my visa, came out. Everybody thought, because uh, I, cha I changed my face. So they thought that I was denied. So I said, no, I got it. They said, what did you tell her? What did you say to her? I said, I just answered her questions. But it's just 
opportunity because you know that uh god that's how god does his thing so that's how i got here and the rest is history <laughs> okay okay good good so that's how you got here so um and that was that was 79 that was 79 so i'm gonna i'm going to um <clears throat> Fast forward to your experience when you got here. What was your experience like when you first came to America? It was shocking because I came during the cold, you know. Oh. So I didn't, yes, I didn't bring any jacket. I thought I, I had my suit, one suit on, and then one briefcase. So I came out of uh, New York and uh, my dear. People were looking at me like, is this, is this, what's wrong with this guy? Is this guy crazy? <laughs> so while I was being cold right down there, he said, what's wrong with you? I said, what do you mean, what's wrong with me? And it's cold out there. I ran back inside. They say, you don't have a jacket? I said, jacket? Yeah, I wasn't. So anyway, the lady uh, says, okay, do you have any money? Uh, and, you know, we have uh, those travelers checks that time, which... You could easily go and exchange for cash. So I say, well, I have some traveler's checks. So, so she helped me down to the where I could exchange the thing. Then she says, you need a jacket. And they say, but I can't go out. I can't. <laughs> she said, okay, don't worry. But she was my help. So she took me to these, uh, like a secondhand uh, jackets and stuff. So I got me a very nice suede, nice jacket to warm me up so and that's how my first experience that boy you got to be prepared mm. so that was uh, my first experience but uh, um, and you know my, and then the my um, uh, the person that was supposed to pick me up the, from the school was at the airport because I didn't really want to I wanted to stay in New York <laughs> but uh, you know, I made somebody to help me make the call. He said, man, you better get your butt in school or else you're going to, like, will report, like, threatening. I'm going to report. And I said, well, you just got into the country. Report? No. So I made my trip down to where I'm supposed to be. So they picked me up. And he said, big old Italian guy picked me up. And that was another experience. So... You know, mm. so well, uh, one okay, let me fast forward to current day. What do you make of what you see today in America, in your community, in your family, just in society at large? What do you make of everything you see going on right now? I wasn't, I wouldn't be expecting um, what I'm seeing because <laughs> it's not supposed to be this. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, never in my wildest dreams that I would think of uh, the pandemic and all this. Boy, nobody expected to even see such a thing. And I mean, for us in here, that's one, but having multiple children is another experience. I live in a community that is, uh, you know, it's uh, well run in terms of government. You know, 
it's a very well-run city and uh, there's always a little bit to do more you could do and help your community. And I mean, Bowie is a very nice city in, the, in Prince George's County that is believed to be one of the richest uh, African-American communities in the United States of America. So, you know, I am very active politically in terms of, uh, you know, just participating, being a good civic, uh, doing my civic duty, which I think uh, everybody should do. Okay, that's good, that's good. Um, so, one question that I, that I like to ask when I talk to, to um, people of uh, our, our, my elders and people from back home, how do you think Africans and other um, people, uh, African-Americans, how do you think we can get back to our cultural, to our traditions and our practices and ideology? Like, what, how do, what do you think is a good way to get us back to that? That's a good, very, very good question. First of all, we got to find ourselves. We do not know ourselves. We've been lightest left and right, and we just um, going along with the... We need to find ourselves. We cannot continuously... Um, we got to know we have the same enemy in terms of um, how things are stacked up to us. Yes, uh, we, uh, people of color that immigrated to this country, uh, I'm not going to say we take advantage of the opportunity or something like that because any opportunity given to you, if you don't do what you need to do, you got problems. So, because I'm very close, and that's why I say we're going to talk about that. I'm for me, when I first came to this country, it, could, the, my, <laughs> it was a, like a culture shock. You, that's why I say you learn. Because uh, when I say culture shock is that, you know, I mean, I've had some um, visiting um, African-American who came, who were in Nigeria, like uh, visiting scholars and students and stuff like that. So, because I used to, go down to the University of Ibadan, and then we, we go to the quarters, and I, I used to belong to the all kinds of different different clubs while at the technical institution. So we go around, we meet all these guys, and so we see them. And very fine, fine people, but my experience, the school, I found out that it's below my standard that what they are trying to teach me is something that I already done. So, uh, you know, I told the director that I'm beyond what you guys are teaching me. And I just, that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting to do something different. So he says, if you do this, I said, no, you can't. Said, yeah, you can't trust me. I already I paid you already. So if I don't want to be here anymore, I don't have to be here. Because he's worried about how much money he's going to get from me. But me meeting those guys, they are Vietnam War veterans, right? 
So, and that's another thing that uh, hopefully we touch on that before we finish this uh, stuff. Um, the federal government here around that time, which they've done away with, which we need to bring back to help a lot of people in terms of uh, vocational education. You don't hear about that no more these days. We need to bring it back because not all our college materials who could do better doing, you know, trade work like what they used to. But things are changing though, in uh, meaning to the technology that we have now is changing. So we need to bring back people who could, you know, be technically prepared for the, uh, the jobs that the future is going to bring for us. So anyway, uh, when I left that place, then I enrolled that, uh, that's, you know, because of knowing what, <laughs> what is going on. So I enrolled at Temple University, you know, but I could not, um, how you call it, uh, come up with the money. So I wind up at, uh, uh, I enrolled at uh, Philadelphia Community College and that uh, helped me out, which was a chicken, like a little, I don't even know how much dollars what is that time. So, and again, I was one of the lucky guys because because of me talking, asking questions from those guys, because they, they were my buddies, they like me. I hang around them, they look, they are my, they are black life, you know, I mean, of dark skin like me. So, you know, so they, they, they really make sure they bring me around to their house. I go to their houses with them and they feed me. <laughs> It's like, I'm their brother. Like, come on, African brother. Come on, man. You want to go with us? So I never say no. I'll always go with them, you know. So I was like, you know, all these experiences they exposed me to was very great. And I learned a lot from them. So that prepared me. I was ahead of the game, you know, for most people. So Okay. It was a good good experience for me. Those are the things that prepared me. So our experience with our African American brothers and sisters could, I mean, could be better, should be better. But uh, you know, I think we've both been lied to this to some of the our brothers and sisters before they left Nigeria. They already had some stories which. You know, eh, some of them might not be true. Some of them might be true. But when you get here, instead of you to look, you want to come with the same attitude, which then you become enemy. You don't want to become enemy. You, When you come to somebody's house, you greet them very well. You look at what's going on on the floor, where they sleep and, <laughs> you know, so, but if you, that's why they think we are these, we're there, but when they get to understand who you are and that you're not trying to, you, everybody wants an opportunity to succeed and, you know, they, they wouldn't bother you because, but we need more, more uh, unity within us. If you look at what's happening in Ghana, they are going, you know, we are inviting them to come to the to the motherland and do some things because 
we both have the same enemy. You know, and we, we, the only way for us to unite is to understand and speak in codes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> since we're on the topic of um, Africans and African-Americans uniting, because we both have the same enemy, what things do you think, first question is, what things do you think happened that made us to kind of be disconnected from each other and secondly, what do you think the future is for relations between Africans and African-Americans and other people in the diaspora? What do you think the future is? Do you think the future is bright? No, the future is going to be very, very bright. We are waking up. Unfortunately, we lost one of uh, a very great uh, African president who just passed away, the one from Tanzania, Magafuli, an outstanding if you see what he's done, is to show that, yes, we can govern ourselves, but we have to be disciplined. So the future looks bright when the uh, people of, of uh, color could see with their eyes that, yes, because what is happening is that uh, there is too much uh, mismanagement of public funds and that is causing uh, us to have what you call uh, uh, to be looked at as if we are not, uh, <laughs> we can't get the job done. Uh, and uh, the cause of that is because, you know, I was at home. So I went, you know, I ran for uh, governor of my state, Ekiti State. And, uh, you know, I was being expected to give bribes and I said no because uh, and I'm not expecting to pay for any votes so those when you got to have those kind of discipline and uh, that so you don't see those things here and they go home and they want to see that oh okay we want to participate but we don't want to be you know this kind of experience so when we do those things, fix our roads, do those things that Magafuli has done, and uh, Kigali guy, what is his name, uh, Rwanda, is doing a wonderful job. And look at what Ghana just did. Our resources are being... So we are waking up. To cut the story short, we are waking up. And I see bright future for Africa and uh, his sons and daughters will come back home. And that's the only way, you know, because many that call themselves Africans are not really Africans. We're going to focus on black Africa. That's what we need to, whatever they call us, or dark-skinned Africans. I'm not trying to separate us, but we catch hell more than the those guys who uh, who consider themselves Arabs and all those they don't see some majority of them don't see themselves as part of us. You know, they have their own doctrine. So that's the so we can do that. So yeah, that's um we can unite. Yeah, I I I hope I have hope that the African continent as a whole and the diaspora, the Caribbean, uh the Europe and uh, the Africans it's gonna happen. I have hope that we can it's gonna happen especially with social media, things like this communication it's going to happen happen. (laughs) oh yeah it's going to happen (laughs) 
It's going to happen. I have no doubt because we're waking up. We are waking up. It's going to happen. So let me ask you a question then. Between your 20s and your 30s and maybe even early 40s, what was, a, what was one of the most difficult periods of your life um, that, and how did you get through it? Huh. Wow. <laughs> wow, let me see. Hmm. I've always been a go-getter. Um, uh, <laughs> wow, let me see. Hmm. Shouldn't I say? I think it's been my, yeah, early 30s. You know, when you, because my wife and I, we were married in 85. So that those are growing times. Our children were young, and so we have to, you know, <laughs> raise them. So, and you grow up quick. So those are growing times. It's not that it's hard, but it's a growing times to to develop, to grow up. <laughs> you can't be running the streets and have a family and. So it, I wouldn't say those are hard times, but in terms of uh, just being a man, because when you are a person of color and you're a male, you pose a threat in this hemisphere here in this place. <laughs> so, and that's what we're trying to tell our young ones now to, you know, not uh, put themselves out there as not be a target. You got to, you got to post yourself in the right way, you know, so you don't be a target. Okay, so the, what um, that you said in your early thirties, uh, you know, when you started having kids. No, yeah, that's yeah, because I was having these kids. Quick, quick, uh, we have um, yes, by uh, ninety, yeah, so. So what what helped what helped yeah, you yeah, what helped kid. you get through that period and did you have mentors? Oh, my wife. It was because uh, the reason why I say that is because I had a very terrible automobile accident that is uh, that was supposed to have taken me out and for me to. I mean, when you were pronounced dead already, eh? <laughs> I mean, the police officer at the scene thought you were dead and uh, the chopper people. So they did a good job on me. That was when Prince George's Community Hospital was Prince George's Community Hospital, even though it's getting better now. But at that time, it was the place to go for surgery and all those things. It was a place to go because they, they took good care of me. And uh, um, you can even tell that I have a kind of a terrible automobile accident you know it really was a very bad uh, bad one so those that's why i said those were the tough times for me and my wife was uh you know having three children at that time it was just they were little children so for me not to be able to i was just in a very bad situation but to have a good uh partner and uh yeah, that, that was what I needed. And uh, she was just right beside me. And it's not that we have all this money now, but we were living with what we can, uh, you know, we, we were just good for each other. So that was my strength. She was my okay, strength. Okay, that's good to hear. 
you, you, yeah, that's, uh, I know a lot of guys now who are in their 30s. The, uh, a bigger issue is that uh, for me these days, I see that the men and women are not on the same page. And the reason why that's devastating is because to me, I don't know about the women, but the men are suffering mentally, financially, you know, as, as far as their career, purpose, dri- the purpose in their lives, the, you know, stress, depression, everything. And the fact that they don't, it, there seems to not be someone on their side, you know, supporting them. But in fact, the people that they're actually battling with instead of uh, supporting each other is adding to the uh, struggle, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, so I, I, I understand when you say during your most difficult time, your wife was your strength, and that's good to hear. Uh, what advice would you give to the younger men right now? Because uh, first of all, have you noticed, have you seen um, some of the younger men, you know, early, uh, late 20s, early 30s, uh, struggling? And uh, if, what advice would you give to them? Hmm. Well, find himself first. Who are you? Who are you? Find yourself. Because uh, what do you want to do? You got to have a plan. You know, because when I was, to be honest, uh, because, you know, when you're a go-getter, you want to, I mean, I was, how you call it, you know, um, hmm. I just want to grow so bad. I was just seeking, I mean, I go to so many, many, personal development uh, webinars, all those, all the great ones I've gone to their webinars I have, and that's what I use for my children. So those in the 30s, when they have children, they should have some kind of um, connection first with their higher power. When you have that kind of connection, when you squared away mentally, spiritually, uh, things will, will, you know, go smoother, better, because we were disciplined, to be honest. My wife and I, we were very, very, I mean, like I said, that whatever, that prayerful way led me to this place. And, you know, sometimes you attempted to deviate from that, <laughs> from that way, but uh, if you hang in. Greetings, Uncle. All right, all right. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm the line cut. My apologies, but we can pick up where we left off. Yes. I forgot what the last question I asked was. You were talking. No, no, we were talking about young ones, those who in the thirties, spirituality, anger. Yes. yes. Yeah. So I was very grounded. Those really, really helped me a lot, and uh, my wife was uh, willing to go along. Even she's stronger right now. <laughs> I mean, we always been grounded, and those are things that I use with the children in terms of uh, having spiritual connection hmm. with the higher power. You got to have that. You must get, and that's what I use when I say use. You know, in terms of exposing my this young one to the children to to know that not anything they want. To see, they can have it, but you yeah. have to know how to ask. You have to know how to have that connection with the higher power. And uh, we never 
push any of them to do anything they don't want to do. All the seven, all of them, we sit them down, and that's why they've excelled. What do you want to do? These are the guidelines. These are the roads to where you want to go. Are you willing to do what it takes to get there? And then once you do that, you got to tell yourself, this is what I want. You have to make a decision. That's where everything starts. Make a decision. Once you make the decision, the rest is history. Hand it over to the to the great one. He will do everything for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good. Very good advice. Very good advice. It's, it's good to hear um, as a representative of that generation that I'm speaking of, so many people are lost. So many people are confused. Again, to be candid, you know, there's a difference between growing up in an environment like Nigeria where you are like, uncle, I don't know why the phone keeps cutting. I don't know what's going on. Um, but I'll try to, I'll try to be fast. So we, in case it cuts again, we could try to do this. And maybe if we want to do a second episode, we can do it another time. We could do a second episode. I don't know why it's cutting off, and I'm in a very nice corner. All the bars are up. I'm checking out. All the five bars are up. So if you want to do a second episode, good, so we can have more in detail and more people could learn and and have a very good... Because uh, we want to help people. That's the goal is to help. And so let me wrap yeah. this Let me wrap this one up then. Uh, okay. I, was, I was saying... Um, in my the representation, I'm a representation of a generation that seems to be a bit. Um, um, there's a struggle because there's a difference between growing up in Nigeria, where you're Nigerian, and uh, the the values that you learn as a Nigerian um, um, uh, can can be used to thrive in that environment. But when you grow up as an American. But with Nigerian values, you know, you, sometimes you come up a bit confused because you grow up in an environment uh, where most of the time you're around people who are different than you. They don't see you as the same. Uh, the information that they're telling you is different than the information that you're getting from home. Um, the things that you were told that will help you be successful in this world, you do those things, but the environment that you're in, they don't appreciate those values that you that you hold, you know? That's so a lot of um, times, uh, there's a clash between what you are taught and in your in your environment, what you're trained in, and what you you face when you meet the 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 world. And I know for a, a lot of people in their late twenties, early thirties, there's a cataclysm to say, "I've done everything that I, I thought I was supposed to do, uh, but I'm not happy. I'm not where I need to be." Uh, uh, the the Inf- the information that was given to me, I feel may not have been appropriate for my time, for my situation. So I feel a bit lost. I think a lot of people are in that space where they just feel lost because the the world that they find themselves in is different than the world that they've been trained to, to fit into. Yeah, that's the, uh, you, you are very correct. And that's the situation with my, with our children here. Each one knows they are doing exactly what they want to do. See, majority, what you're saying, the reason why what you're saying happens is, uh, yes, we could have been in the same shoes, meaning pushing, you must do this, you must do this, you got to be this. No, 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 no. One shoe side does not fit all. 
in the game, we ask each one of them when they finish high school, we sit them down. Now you're going to call it, you've been doing this good, you've been doing this. These are options. We didn't know before. All this I'm telling you, we, you have to be willing to learn, to observe. You, We don't want this, Our nobody. No, I do not think any that I know wants their children to be subject of the environment. We want you guys to have an experience that we do not have to be satisfied. Because majority of us, I know they didn't do because they were because they came here with the mindset they have to be these, they have to be that. So they didn't really satisfy themselves. When I say satisfied, meaning happy within themselves. So that unhappiness, they pass it on to their younger ones. And they, I can't, I mean, none of these children here will say, oh, the daddy forced us to, no, they, they cannot say that. You're doing exactly what you say you want to do. So you're happy doing what you say you want to do. And doing that, you, you feel good. You learn more because your energy will be focused on that rather than not doing, you know, for what you just said is true. You Yes, you did everything they say do, but not what you want to do. That's the difference. We let you know. Yeah, in this household, we let you know this is what you want to do. This is the road to get there. But mind you, when you get there, do not blame anybody. All the good that you get along the way, it's all yours. So they're happy. Each one of them, they're happy doing what they want to do, what they're doing. We just support them. We are just where they are. Uh, we wave the handkerchief and all this stuff. We support them in any way they want to go. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely appreciate that. I see, I see that a lot of the ones who are thriving, it's, they're thriving because, like you said, their parents are a support system. There's love in their household. The household is intact. You know, and and the that feeling of oh, I never made it to where I wanted to be. I don't think it's in in households that are, are are thriving where the youth are thriving. I don't think their parents hold that idea that I didn't make it to where I wanted to be. I didn't make it to what I needed to be. So now I'm going to put the pressure on my children. I think that yeah. those parents, I think those parents have a more loving and accepting um, environment and a stable environment, which is very important. And those are the ones who I see who are thriving because the ones who I see that are not thriving, a lot of them don't have a stable environment. A lot of their parents yeah, didn't. There's they There's chaos. They're, the kids are not cool. I mean, when I say cool, comfortable within themselves, like they're being forced to do what they don't want to do. So like you said, yes, there is chaos. And those children will not be happy. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, resentment, man, I didn't want to do this. That's for you. This, No, you don't want that. You don't want that. Because again, the energy, the energy, which everything is energy. So it will, it, what it will bring for you it's not the kind of energy you want when you're not doing what you want to do. 
you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to excel in doing it. I love what I'm doing. I, I love transformation. I love talking to people. I love making people feel that they've some value has been added to, you know, I just like helping. I just like serving, talking to people because I know I have this gift of, you know, speech, you know, talking and using, you know, motivational skills and, you know, just letting people know that you could do better. You have that power to transform. That's important. And you do, because I know anytime that I've made it anywhere in life, there was a, a male, a male, a man, a, either a, a young man or an older man who encouraged me. Uh, most of, most of, uh, I'm focusing on the men now, the boys or the men, the young adults mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Young, yeah, young adults, yeah. Whenever you go, a lot of times they go through schooling they, in, in America, though, in, in the U.S., they don't see too many men. They, their teachers are uh, usually uh, women. Um, the, the principals and the administrations are usually women. Um, during their coming of age, they, they don't get a lot of male guidance. Um, and that affects how they see themselves. Because when you see yourself through the eyes of another man, as opposed to when you see yourselves through the eyes of a woman, it, it, it affects your confidence, it affects your self-esteem. I'm just saying all this, I'm rambling. I'm saying all this, all this to say that that voice is, is, is needed. It, it, it needs to be heard by a lot of young people. I, 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 I think so. I think, uh, yes, I do agree with that. You know, a few years back, I mentored and coached, you know, I served as a volunteer coach and mentor at a Bowie High School. And uh, a couple, this is honest truth, a couple of the children they gave me were told that they were bad kids, they this and this and that. And what you just said is what is missing. The male is missing in the household. Okay? Gradually, mm-hmm. gradually, weekly. This is just for a school year now because I could not, because you know, where I work, I have to come for my lunch, drive, take time off and come. So anyway, this young man you would not believe it. it gradually, it began to gravitate to what I was. He solved his own issues. He stopped doing those little things. His name stopped being on the bad kid, this and that. His name, because he's beginning to see that, yes, I can. Yes, I can. And I wasn't willing to, you know, I let him talk because I listened a lot. You know, it's not that I didn't ever shut him out. You know, uh, after I eat, even because we don't have that much time. So we have points. We have, again, are you prepared? What did I ask you to do? Did you work on it? So he was willing to do what it is because nobody has ever challenged him to be, you know, something, you know, you like accountability. So mm-hmm. he was able to, you know, uh, I taught him how to write goals, all those things that you say you want to be. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You know, the last contact that I had with him was uh, because I saw that 
him staying with his mom will not help him. You know, so we talk together and he has a uncle in New York. And when the man heard the way I talk and he saw improvement, his grades getting better, the man agreed to for him to come. So again, I agree with you what you're saying, you know, and the guy, I know he will excel because, you know, he was able to listen very well. I wasn't giving him, because he wanted to well, tell, no, I'm not buying no stories. I will listen to you, but <laughs> that's a bit, that's baloney. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you just try to cop out, you know? Yeah, I mean, to be to be honest, that was my story. When I was going through school, they labeled, they they pre-labeled me a bad student. And, and I, did, I wasn't a bad student. I just needed a, I wasn't a bad student. I was just somebody who needed attention and needed guidance. And most of the time, whenever there was a, there's a difference between uh, talking to somebody in a manner of disappointment, in a manner of anger, in a manner of uh, uh, a shame, as opposed to talking to a person in a manner of encouragement, a manner of uplifting, a manner in problem solving, listening, and uh, general interest. So to me, those are, some of the things that pushed me from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. I mean, from bad student to scholarship student, you know, just it, it's all in the way that you are addressed and, um, and, and, and guided. And again, you, you, like you said, when you are a, ma- a male in this country, you are seen as a threat first. Oh, yes. My two sons, you are correct. My two sons, when you, because again, they were not, more or less like what you were saying, it wasn't, each of them, they were not challenged enough and they were talking about, oh, we need to give this. I refuse to uh, agree in terms of uh, attention deficit disorder. They want to label them. So Mm -hmm. my wife and I says, no, that's not not our children. You, you, You guys just do not understand what he's trying to let you guys know that I'm bored. Yeah, no, yeah, no. To to interject, they tried to they, when that's now. When I was in the nineties, they tried to put me on those drugs, and my mom said, "No, my yes. son is not doesn't does yes. not need this drug. He doesn't have ADD or ADHD or whatever." No, we refuse. Yes, <laughs> we and, refuse. Then, and that same boy that they tried to put on drugs got a full scholarship in college. Oh so yes. that, So that that should let you, as a parent, be terrified and petrified of the education system that you put your kids in. Where you have a future college scholar, and you know, it's because of the reason why mom says no, because of where we're coming from. You got to so those are those things that the people here, the system here, they put those children. See, things change in the late seventies after the riots. Most people do not understand. The reason why you see most massive incarceration of people of color is because of the system. We need to, we that come as immigrants to this country, yes, we come with our own stuff, but we need to learn what's going on here very well. We need to be a good student of our environment, get to know what's going on. 
because knowing that will help us to relate more to the to our landlord to the, to our we call it the people that we meet here who owns mm. the land I mean the people who have toiled the land that's probably why they want to fight us and stuff they feel like we do not understand what they've gone through but if you do your homework and you communicate with them like you know what the hell there's nowhere I go I can communicate with my brothers and sisters of African American you got to understand culture that's the that's the reason why we clash culture mm. culture is totally culture is different great. that's why yes so, so those are those things that uh, we need to do. You know, I, I mean, honestly, uh, I really get along. I do not have any problem because once they come out, yes, there are challenges. Yes, when I was running for public office here, an African-American or a Black American, he called me, Kunta Kunte, my children were crying, told them, tell your daddy to take his Kunta Kunte ass back to Africa. You know? I mean, I'm a veteran of the United States Army. I put my, if I do not really care about this country, I wasn't drafted. I voluntarily put my, I mean, yes, I'm grateful. That's why I put myself on the line. You know, sign up to, to serve. Mm. You know? Yeah, we... So I've, I've given back. Yeah, we, we experienced that too. Uh, in school, we uh, and coming of coming of age, we experienced all that name calling, Kunta Kente African, and the treatment. The name calling, yes, the name calling yeah. isn't really as bad as the treatment. So what what people don't understand is the name calling is one thing, but imagine you're a eleven year old boy, nine year old girl, eight year old boy or girl in class, and the people don't want it, don't want to sit, don't want to sit next to you. The mm-hmm. people, the people say, "Oh, you stink." The people say, "Teacher, I don't want this person in my group." You know, uh, just the people don't. There, there are things that happen to you that kind of that hurt you deeply that you you don't really get to unpack until you get older. But again, I, you move past that. I don't want to. That's not something I want to focus on, though. But yeah, it 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 affects the ones who grow up here because they don't have a sense of identity like the ones who grew up in Nigeria. That's true. The ones that grew up in Nigeria, Nigeria builds their confidence. Nigeria builds your self-esteem. Nigeria, Nigeria right. builds your self of identity. The ones who grow up here, your, your sense of identity is being built, but it's being, uh, it's being attacked. So, you know, it's not as strong as if you grew up in the country where you're the, you're the first class, not the, not the second class. But that, that's, a, that's another conversation. I Tolu? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. So let's get, let's do a second session. Okay? Yeah, we'll do a second session here because uh, I guess the something is going on with the um audio. Yeah. I know, I know. All right, son. Okay. Let's do this. This is good. We'll, right. we'll do a, we'll do a second session. I'll let you let me you know, you let me know what date is best for you and we'll do a second session. I will. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Take care. You All too. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Bye.